Hi, I'm Michelle Adams, and welcome back to the Beyond Words podcast. This is the place where we sit down with the writers of your favourite books and talk to them about the inspiration behind the stories that they write. In each episode of this podcast, you'll get the chance to meet the author behind one of my favourite books and be introduced to a novel that I have personally loved and which I think and hope you'll love too. Beyond Words is where the story continues once the final page has been turned. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Beyond Words podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here again um, and to bring you another episode. It's been a busy week this week, um, getting one book back ready for editing, um, getting another one finished and having a book out for publication next week. So there's been a lot going on, but I did manage to squeeze in a very nice conversation with a fabulous debut author. She has written a very tense and atmospheric thriller set in a marvellous location. So it's with great pleasure today that I bring you this conversation with Catherine Cooper, who is the author of The Chalet. Our conversation discusses um, her location, her characterization, and the inspiration behind setting this thriller in a very luxurious and uh, apparently dangerous ski resort. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation this week. What I'd love to do just to start with um, when talking about this book is to ask you to introduce it to everybody um, and tell us a little bit about what the, the chalet is about. Uh, okay, um, it's, um, it's a thriller set in a fictional French ski resort. Um, it's set across two different main timelines. Um, First one is 1998, when two men go out skiing with a guide in bad weather and only one comes back. Um, and then the second timeline is um, in, well, the present really, 2020. Um, and you've got four people staying in a luxurious chalet in the same resort. Um, and it's about finding out, I guess, uh, well, for the readers to find out what they have to do with what happened before and why they're there, really. Fabulous. And would you be happy to share some with us now with a reading? Just um, a passage? Yeah, okay. Shall I? I'll read the beginning, shall I? Yes, that'd be yeah. great. Okay. Um, I always feel very self-conscious doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um. it's, so, it's so strange, I think, sometimes to read your own, your own work, but um, yeah. it's a treat for us to hear you read it. All right, thank you. Um, okay. Um, Press Association. 18th of January 2020. Breaking news. A British national is reported to have died at the ski resort of La Madiere, France. Details are as yet unclear. More to follow. December 1998, La Madiere, France. I hate these kind of people. They come out here on holiday once a year with their brand shiny new Salomon this and K2 that and think they know it all. They're so annoying. They know nothing compared to me. So we want some virgin tracks today, backcountry, somewhere no one else goes, somewhere a bit challenging. Know what I mean, says one who's accent at plumbing and entitled. Yes, I know what you mean. You think you're it just because you went on a few trips with your posh school and your now smart city job or whatever pays enough for you to come out skiing once or twice a year. Well, let me tell you, you're not. That's why you have to pay someone like me who actually knows what they're doing to come with you as soon as you venture off piste. For all your flash gear and trying to use the right lingo, 
you know nothing about the mountains, nothing. But of course I don't say that. These are my clients after all. Instead I say, yep, no problem, I know exactly the place. I smile, Richter's like, and answer their pointless, predictable questions as we take the various lifts up to the very top. Yes, it's fun living in a ski resort. Yes, I live here all year round. I lie about how long I've been here, I always do. That's none of their business. No, I don't have any plans to get back to the UK, etc., etc., etc. I love the mountains, they're my home. And my job would be almost perfect if only I didn't have to deal with clients. It must be around a forsake wind as we get out at the top. The less confident of the two, I can't be bothered to learn their names, pulls a face as the wind stands into us. Lovely hell, it's freezing, he yelps. The other one, maybe a few years older, but it's difficult to tell the way they're so swaddled up in skulls, claps them on the back and booms, don't be such a girl, this is what it's all about. I snap my goggles on, pull my hat down over my ears and click my boots into my skis. My two clients are still faffing around with their gloves. Hurry up, I scream inwardly. I'm freezing. Hey, shouts someone in a logo jacket, one of the annoying tour reps who seems to change pretty much every year, just seems to have stopped next to me. Are you taking these guys down the couloir? That's the plan, I reply, not that it's any of his business. He pulls the face. I hope they know what they're doing, and I hope you know what you're doing is what he actually means. I roll my eyes. He can't tell as I'm wearing my goggles. I wouldn't be taking them if I didn't think they were up to it. I snapped. I've done the risk assessment and they've signed all the correct forms. Hmm, well, they're my clients too and it's a lot of paperwork and hassle for me if there's an accident, he warns, like I care about his paperwork. Guys, the rep, I think he's Richard, he's called Richard, calls to his clients, who are finally putting on their skis, thank Christ. You be careful down there, okay? Right ho, the older one yells. We ready for the off? Just then, my business partner, Andy, turns up. Not for the first time, I wish I'd set up Ski-tastic on my own. Why are you here, I ask, checking up on me, no doubt. My clients have decided to call it a day. Too cold for them, apparently. Shall I come along with you? I'd much rather go on my own. I don't want Andy babysitting me and picking holes in the way I do things. But even though, even I know I can't say that and still look like a reasonable person. So I shrug and say, if you like, makes no difference to me. And off we go. That's brilliant. Thanks very much. Um, The thing that I'm reminded of now, I've read The Chalet only recently, I finished it just a couple of days ago, but the thing that listening to you read about it now reminds me so much that the location here plays such a massively important role. I'm not a skier at at any any, uh, stretch of the imagination. I wish I was. I think it's something that I'd really like. I've tried it once and I was useless. Um, But I I am definitely a person that loves the mountains. Um, I love the exposure, the peace and quiet of it. And you get a real sense of that from this book. So what was it that drew you to setting a book in this kind of location? Um, well, I've been a really keen skier since I was a teenager. Um, I'm, I live in France now and a big part of that, the reason for that is because I wanted to be able to ski more. Um, and it's always, and I, I'd never, I, I've also always read a lot of thrillers. Um, I'd never found a thriller um, set in a ski resort. Um, and to me, um, it, it makes a really good setting because it's, it's really beautiful. Um, it's, um, it can be really luxurious, um, but it's also also can be really dangerous. And then the other thing that makes it um, an ideal setting for a thriller is um, that most population in these kind of resorts is very transient. Um, obviously, you've got holiday makers who are only there for a week or two, 
but even the even the workers um most of them tend to stay you know a season or two and then move on or do something else so i think it's very easy to tend to be someone you're not and um, i think people who who leave or things that have happened in the past are very quickly forgotten so it's those kind of reasons really so when you were planning this book in the very early stages was it the location that came to you first oh yeah absolutely yeah um i'm sure i'm not really much of a plotter um really i started with the location and a couple of characters and really that was about it um it was partly inspired by um a news i don't think i'm giving too much away to say uh, it was partly inspired by a news story where um Actually, no, that probably is a bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't give the spoilers away. Don't yeah, give yeah. the spoilers away. So you were inspired by a story that you'd read in the news. You obviously have a great love of skiing and the mountains. Yeah. For me, reading this story, the, the location almost sort of becomes a character in its own right. It plays such an important role along yes. with the weather. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd really agree with that. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm pleased about that. I think that's 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 nice. Yeah, that really, that really comes across. Um, I mentioned there that I think that the the sort of the location and the weather becomes this character in its in its own right. But let's talk about the actual characters as well. We're introduced to two characters there in the first section that you've read to us. There's um, I'm not sure whether you said the name now of the first one, but there's one ski instructor and then a second ski instructor called Andy. Yeah. And they obviously start this business together along with two other characters. There's, there's a lot of characters that have their own relationships together here. Mm-hmm. Who was the first character that came to you? Um, it was actually, yeah, it was actually one of the, one of the ski instructors. Um, he, um, yeah, he's, he's a ski instructor who um, he likes, he like he loves the mountains, but he doesn't really like people and, and he finds that difficult. Um, so yeah, I, he was, he was the first one that came to me. Was this based on anyone or a sort of um, Frankenstein of people that you've met in ski yeah, resorts? Exactly, exactly that. Um, I, I do think you meet really interesting people in mountains. In some ways they're all the same, in other ways they're all different. And um, I think people who've been in the mountains quite some time, they just, I don't know, they just are a little bit different in some ways. And yes, yeah, so he, he is, um, he's, he's kind of based, yeah, he's like, as I say, he's the amalgam of lots of people who I've met over the years. He's not a very nice I think, I think that's 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 true what you say about the mountains they become people who spend a lot of time in the mountains do become sort of um very focused on that lifestyle for me yeah. I was very into hiking and climbing well, so okay. that that was the crowd that I was hanging around with and, yes, and it's true yeah. that that yeah, yeah is, is a very sort of specific type of person that wants to spend all of their time in that kind of area i think like i think like you say the mountains are even like you say the mountains are like a character but they're almost like a character i think to people who spend a lot of time in them as well they have yes. their own personality yeah um, you know, um, um atmosphere whatever um yeah it's i think it's a very special environment and yeah it's probably i mean it's not for everybody but the people that really love it really really love it i think yeah i think once it gets under your skin it's something that's very hard to get away from yeah um, and the exposure that we talk about in this book, because obviously it, this is about skiing, this is about putting themselves in dangerous situations that then play an important aspect of the plot. So the exposure is is really very important. And, and I think it would be very hard to write about that if you didn't have some sort of understanding of what it could feel like standing on the top of a mountain in a whiteout. 
Oh yes, no, I think so. And again, all the, I mean, okay, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in anything like the conditions they've been in. But when you're in a, well, you, you know, you said yourself, you're not about, you're not a skier, but um, you probably know from hiking when you're caught in bad weather. Yeah. Even if it's not actually dangerous, it can feel really miserable and really quite full on. And yeah. um, you kind of think, oh, I'd just give anything to be out of this. And I think, yeah, I think it, it would be quite difficult to write about that kind of feeling without actually having had some experience of it, even in kind of a minor way. Yeah. Um, which one of the characters that you wrote about was your favourite to write? Because they're all quite different characters. Uh, favourite? Oh, um, I think I quite liked um, writing the little girl. Um, she has a lovely voice. Yeah, because um, she's quite sweet and then she has, yeah, anyway, again, don't want to give too much away about her, but... Um, yeah. That was quite good. And again, the, the skiing shot to the first, um, the first one, um, he was quite interesting just because he's, um, because he's just so nasty, really. He, 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 he's you know, very he's, unapologetic. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's not a nice character, he's, but he's, he's quite interesting to write just for just being, I can't think of the word. Um, yeah, he's not necessarily evil, he's just... Um, he's almost just a bit vulgar. He's obnoxious, yeah, he's obnoxious yeah. and vulgar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was quite fun, yeah. Um, there's also throughout the characters in the, in the book, there are a lot of interpersonal relationships that develop between the different sort of, I'm going to say couples, but I don't necessarily mean couples as in a yeah. romantic relationship. There's lots of sort of pairs in, in the relation, in, in the book. Um, yeah. who do you think was the most challenging relationship to get down on the page and for what reason? Um, cool. <laughs> Um, well, what I, in fact, I said earlier, I'm not much of a planner. I mean, this is one of the rare books where I've actually, at some point, taken time to sit down with a notebook um, and write out the characters and write out what relationship they should have to each other. I mean, it may be that some of those changed in the final draft. In fact, I'm quite sure they did. But um, I felt it was important. Well, it kind of just helped me to kind of think, does this character actually need to be in the book or what is actually going to happen with them? I particularly loved Rhea's relationship with her partner. I've lost his name now. Hugo, Hugo. Hugo, yes. Yeah, I okay. loved their relationship. I thought yeah, that I was mean, a great relationship. I suppose that was quite tricky because, um, you know, it's just it's just difficult to know what to say without giving too much away. But um, yes. obviously, there's it's not a very traditional relationship. Um, and poor Hugo, actually. I mean, Hugo, he kind of puts up with a lot, really, doesn't he, I think. And so I guess it was... It was maybe tricky. It was maybe tricky to make it kind of realistic. Well, I hope realistic in that a lot of time Rhea isn't that nice to him, and yet he adores her. And so I guess yeah. trying to get the balance right of that was probably maybe quite tricky. And I think also their relationship. It it although it was obviously um, it wasn't particularly a happy relationship at times. I do think that there was a lot of honesty and love between their relationship, and I think that. Um, perhaps not honesty from everyone's side of things, but the, the feeling from his point of view, at least, was very genuine. Oh, yes. And I think that's always a really nice, it's always a really nice juxtaposition in a thriller when everything is about how terrible things are going to go. To have that real sort of genuine connection between people, yeah. it gives a real heart to the novel. Oh, okay, that's nice to say. Thank you. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, now, one of the other things in this novel, that there are different timelines. Um, yes. You mentioned that there's a little girl and um, we see that there's parts of the story being told historically. Um, how, how difficult was it to weave those two timelines together? 
Um, to be honest, um, I, I actually find it much easier to have certain timelines because otherwise I really find it hard to make the books long enough. Um, yeah. I, I always, I'm one of these people that if, you know, I'm not someone who has to cut down a 120,000 world novel to a 90. I would just would never have to do that. It's always short, if anything. So for me, the benefit always of two timelines is you have two stories um, and then you have to meld them together. Um, kind of, obviously they have to be one story, but um, whether or not it was difficult, um, I think I, I, I did it all in one go. I didn't like do one timeline and then do the other timeline. So it was always, I was always fairly aware of kind of what had to happen and when, although towards, um, there was some juggling around a bit between drafts of, you know, moving the chapters around so that the reveals didn't end up in one place or another where they shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, so I would say not particularly difficult. If, for me, it's just easier, but I think that's just because of the way I write, really. Do you find that not being a planner means that you end up doing more drafts of a novel? Um, I don't know, really. Um, no, I think I, I, edit, I edit a little bit as I go. So sometimes, like when I say I'm not a planner, I mean, I don't have the ending necessarily nailed down. I'll probably have an idea, but it will probably change um, because I find that while I'm going along, um, I think, oh, actually, how about this? In fact, the little girl, you know, she, um, I wasn't going to do it. The, that, the little girl point of view wasn't planned at all. It just... Um, actually can't think why I came up with it again I think it was partly because I didn't have enough words and I thought okay I need to add you know another big chunk to this um what can I do without just adding in loads of description or something um so I found your original question well I, th I th just talking about what you were saying there about not having it planned from the beginning I think partly also that that's part of the process of of writing I'm I'm not a planner either I, I can't plan a novel to save my life but okay. I think that in the process of writing yeah that the things that you need in there are the things that yeah. come out in sort of come out in the process of of writing a short first draft you then see what's missing and yeah. so it's not necessarily sort of filling in the gaps as such but you just you you learn what's necessary yeah sorry I just remember now you asked about drafts and I was so I think I sort of edit a bit as I'm going really um and so I'll go back and think oh well actually that's totally irrelevant like there was a whole bit in there at one point about chalet girl training which actually in the end was like was well, is irrelevant and I have to yes. just have to go and also um, the other thing that there ended up too much of was my what my agent said um at one point she thought there was too much skiing um because obviously <laughs> and um you know I've made, most people have said who've read that they don't feel you have to need to be a skier to enjoy it um so obviously there couldn't be too much skiing because it got a bit it would get a bit boring for everybody so um <laughs> Well, let's talk about that because um, I love the skiing elements of it, actually. Um, I found it exciting because it is it is one of those sort of extreme sports that a lot of people don't have exposure to. If it, I've heard it said, like, if you, haven't, if you haven't tried it when you're young, you're never going to end up being a skier kind of thing. Um, but the skiing parts for me were, were what really made this book. I, I loved those elements to okay, the story. That's, that's nice to um, so talk to us a little bit about your life with skiing what it means to you and because it's because it's informed this novel so much um well I, I first went skiing aged 14 um 
with the school. Um, my family didn't ski, so I hadn't been before. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was amazing. Just had the best week ever. Um, loved everything about it. I had absolutely no fear, no idea what I was doing. I was covered in bruises, but just had the best, <laughs> best time. Um, and then at university, um, I went skiing. I joined the ski club and went quite a lot because you could at the time. You, um, I don't don't know if they still go out on coaches. I think they do. You used to, it cost next to nothing, and you would go out on a coach. It'd take twenty four hours or something ridiculous. You'd be crammed in a flat with like six other people. Um, it's all very basic, but you know, again, absolutely brilliant. Um, so I skied quite a lot there, and then after that, I just sort of had you know skiing holidays like everyone else, as and when. Um, <clears throat> I forced my husband to learn to ski when I met him. So. Some of Louisa's um, uh, learning ski bits are slightly based on how he probably felt when I'm trying to force him to do things. Um, and then we moved out to France in 2009 and skiing wasn't the only reason, but it was, for me, it was quite, it was a reason that I, I, I mean, it sounds very spoiled, but I would always feel very sad coming back from my skiing holiday because I would think, oh, well, that's it now for a year. Um, but um, so I wanted to be able to, are you okay? I'm trying to silence the phone. <laughs> I don't know why I went silence. Yeah. I'm just going to sit on it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we moved out to France in 2009 um, because, well, not I say, not entirely for skiing, but the, you know, the children were the right age and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Um, but now means that during the ski season, we can, you know, just pop down to the mountains for the day um, if you want to. My, my husband didn't want to live in a ski resort. I'd have probably happily lived in a ski resort. Um, so the compromise was we live in the countryside near a ski resort. Yeah. Um, so that's it, really. And then um, now I work as a travel journalist. So in normal times, I'm lucky enough to, as well as our usual holidays and little trips locally, um, I get to go to ski resorts um, to write about them. I was, in fact, I was supposed to be going to um, the opening weekend of Valtoron in a couple of weeks, but obviously that's been cancelled. Um, and it's- Another thank you to lockdown. Yes, and um, so uh, the, the travel journalism as well is um, how I've got to visit a lot of luxury hotels, which, you know, some of which have been the inspiration for the chalet, the, the actual accommodation. Well, that's nice to hear that your experience from that has influenced the chalet because the chalet really does present as this wonderfully luxurious place. You must have stayed in some fabulous places. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's more based on, I mean, there are chalets like that. Um, I often write about them in roundups and things, um, but the chalet, from my experience, is more based on kind of luxury hotels because obviously the small chalets, they don't often run press trips because, they, you know, it's just yeah. not really practical for them. But obviously... Yeah luxury hotels um you know they can give you a room for a couple of nights and it's not a massive deal for them um so it's more a lot of the inspiration for the furnishings and the service and um the food <clears throat> a lot of it has come come from those um one thing that really struck me in this with the characters is that they're set in this beautiful setting but they are also sort of crippled by some very dark uh, desires for revenge. Revenge seems to be a theme that plays out through this novel. Um, what kind of themes did you want to bring into the novel when you started? Or did your themes come naturally as you were writing it? Um, I think it just came naturally as I was writing it, really. I mean, I, I think the other theme it has is um, about whether or not you're the same person as you were 20 years ago. Um, 
because I think most people aren't really. Um, and it's not really something to think about very much. Um, I thought that was maybe interesting too. But no, I didn't, I yeah. didn't really plan a theme really. But to be honest, a lot of people have said that it's um, a story of revenge rather than a sort of traditional thriller. But I'm quite surprised by that because I kind of think most thrillers are stories of revenge in one, in one form or another. Yeah. In, in many ways, um, yeah. a lot of characters, I think, in thrillers are seeking some sort of revenge. Yeah, usually they are. Yeah, so unless they're um, or something. But um, so no, I was just quite surprised to say people commented on it because I thought it was kind of quite normal. It's, it's great to hear you say that it's about, um, about people sort of discovering whether they've changed. And now you say that, I look at all of the characters and can say, yes, of course, that's something that you were talking about. Um, who do you think has changed the most? Um, again, I'm not sure I can really say that without. Uh, <laughs> without um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. One thing I liked is that this book is quite fast-paced. Now, you you've said that you're not a person that has to cut down sort of from 120 to 90,000 words, but the pace in this book really, really moves the story along. Um, is that something that you think is just a natural part of your writing, or do you have to work at the pace? Um, no, I think it's a natural it's a natural part. Um, to be honest, um, again, it's down to impatience. I'm not very good at doing lengthy descriptions or anything like that. Um, and I, when I read, um, I tend to write the book I kind of like to read, really. Um, yeah. And when I'm reading, I much prefer short chapters. I like to be able to yeah. break off where I want to without, well, obviously you can always break off where you want to, but I just find short chapters kind of, I don't know, I just prefer them. Um, but I also think it's easier to keep something pacey again with the two timelines because um, as soon as things are getting a bit, if you feel things are getting a bit, okay, we've heard quite a lot about this now, then you can just go to the other timeline and then you can leave, leave, them wonder, leave the reader wondering about what happens in the other one, if you see what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. it creates very nice um, spaces for the tension to be kept up by yeah. sort of cliffhangers and what's going to happen next. And Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, yeah, I think I'd really find it quite tricky to write a one timeline book. I probably should one day. <laughs> I don't think I can either. I think that's something that I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> um, the ebook is already out, you told me. Yes. The paperback is going to be released next Thursday, is that correct? On the yeah. 12th? Yeah. Okay. How are you planning to celebrate that now? Um, well, yes, it's quite tricky um, because obviously we can't go anywhere and we can't have friends over. Um, mm. So the ebook, um, we every year since we moved to France, we had we had a bonfire party. I love. I'm not that bothered about Christmas, but I absolutely love bonfire nights. Absolutely my favourite night of the year. <clears throat> we've always had. We, we have a big garden. We've always had a bonfire party. We've had fireworks. Um, you know, we have soup and sausages and all that kind of thing. Big bonfire. We have both French and English people. The French people find it utterly bewildering. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, we planned that again. I thought, oh, okay, this year we'll combine that with, with my book launch. Um, obviously, by the time it came around, we couldn't do that. So it was literally me, my husband, my daughter, my son had gone back to university in the garden, but we had our bonfire. Uh, we had our fireworks. We had soup and sausages. And I also... Um, got a cake made locally <laughs> like, lovely yeah lovely so um I, I you know I probably won't do anything special for the paperback I don't imagine because um again it's just us really in fact maybe I, a yeah first, maybe a glass of um champagne like yes, on the front cover yes, yes absolutely glass of champagne by the fire maybe yeah 
And what is next for you? Are you writing your second book at the moment? Um, the second book uh, I wrote, um, I was lucky enough to get two book deal. Um, the second book was um, written pretty much during the first lockdown, um, which actually in many ways worked out quite well because, you know, I didn't have distractions of things like school run or just a lot of things that you normally have to yes. do just weren't really happening. Um, so got that done. That's gone off to my editor. She's largely happy with it obviously there's edits to do a freebie so of course you know freebie um that's great news though that she's happy with it wonderful yeah I mean obviously there are things things to do but um yeah so obviously I was quite nervous sending that off but that's due out at the end of next year sometime um and that's that's also also set in France there's some skiing in it but um it's uh, (laughs) largely set um in a kind of fictionalized fictionalized version of where I live in in the Ariège. Very nice, very nice. Um, Regarding the chalet, can you tell us what you think readers will enjoy if they pick it up? Um, I think they'll enjoy the luxurious setting. Um, I think the the descriptions of that are quite nice. It's very cosy. It's quite, I think it's quite interesting. Um, As you say, I hope they'll enjoy the fast pace um there isn't really much time to get bored um i'd say those were the two main and maybe maybe skiing yeah um i'd say they were the main things maybe and what do you hope is their take-home message do you think that there's something that they'll take home with them um, when they finish no um <laughs> i kind of i just actually i was just speaking to my stepmother just before i spoke to you and she's just um the copy i sent to her has just arrived and i said you know, you know, don't expect it to be literature. It's just a fun story. It's like, we don't apologize for it. I'm like, I'm not. So I just, um, it's just, there's no message. There's no agenda. Um, it's, I just hope it's a story that people enjoy, will enjoy. Just a fabulous roller coaster ride. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I definitely thought that it was a great read. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was completely hooked. It's fast paced it's tense um and like you say it's an exciting story set in a beautiful setting so i'm wishing you all the very best with publication and thank you very much for chatting to me today about it thank you thanks so much for being here that was great thank you